The Fields Auto Group proudly presents Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks, J.P. Shadrick, John Osher, and NFL Network analyst and former Jaguar Bucky Brooks bring you the latest on your Jacksonville Jaguars. We're not done. We're going to continue to work to build this team and make it as, as, as potent as we can going into the regular season. Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks starts right now. Welcome into the Huddle Up Podcast. It is Wednesday, May 17th. J.P. Shadrick with NFL Network analyst Bucky Brooks and Jaguars.com senior writer John Osher. Give us a listen on the podcast page at Jaguars.com or on the official Jaguars Podcast Network. That's on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And here we go. It's the final week of phase number two of the offseason program. The rookie minicamp is in the rear view. The schedule is out. It's mid-May, John. The calendar keeps on turning, and the NFL calendar certainly is nearly year-round now. And we got four weeks of OTAs coming up, and I, you know, I can't wait. It's, it's going to be awesome. And as much as I kid about OTAs, uh, the next four weeks are the meat of the offseason program. Uh, I don't know if Doug will have veterans in on the uh, on the May on the June May camp at the end. My sense is if if if, if all goes well, he won't, and, it, and it'll be more of a rookie uh, reset. But uh, we'll see. And we got four weeks, and I think what those three are open, and three OTAs are open, so we out there six times, and uh, we'll glean what we can, Bucky. Yeah, no, and the the one thing about like the mini camps, and you we kid, but. The minicamps are an orientation for players, for the rookies, for the new players to the team to kind of get uh, up to speed in terms of like how Doug Peterson and the Jaguars get down when it comes to practice, uh, what their expectations are, the flow to and from uh, in and out of practice, what the expectations are with drills, while also learning the schemes and tactics on both sides of the ball. When you bring the veterans back, it ups to Andy a little bit. It raises the level of intensity. It should raise the uh, level of execution because you have guys that are very comfortable in the system. And so what you're looking for um, from the outside in is practice, but there should be a certain feel to it. Um, offensively, the ball shouldn't hit the ground when you're throwing the ball all over the yard. Uh, it should be rare that Trevor has incompletions, better yet, even interceptions, because the execution should be at an even higher level than we saw last year. Uh, you would like to see the team kind of pick up where it left off at the end of the year following like a couple playoff games. Yeah, make no mistake, I don't discount their importance to the players involved. I discount their importance to me, and JP, I'm all about me. It's all, it's all about John. <laughs> right. If you, you didn't know, you're going to find out. Well, and I, I absolutely agree with Bucky. In, in OTAs this, uh, this month, offensively, particularly on days where Christian Kirk, uh, Zay Jones, Ridley – where they're all there, you do expect to see a lot of days where they look like a fine-tuned machine. And that is what you look for uh, on any specific day. Are you worried if there's a pick, if, 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 if they're trying something new? My thing with OTAs is always that's the time where teams should be uh, going through their rough drafts a little bit and trying to figure out what's working and not. So to get all upset if uh, Trevor throws two picks uh, – Hold the phone a little bit. I, I I had one question this week in the Ozone. Hey, I I, I hear Kevin Austin looked great. I'm not knocking Kevin Austin. I'm just I'm just throwing out a name. I hear Kevin Austin and the two receivers looked great this weekend. Do you think they'll make the team? And one of them pushes uh, Zay Jones. 
No, <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to push Zay Jones. Not, certainly not based on a rookie minicamp. So that's my – They'll push to be involved in the practice squad and the, maybe contribute somehow. But right. But, not, they're not pushing the Yeah, the, let's just remember around. what this is, and they're not going to push Zay Jones if, if they caught a touchdown pass from Nathan Rourke. Yeah, no, it's not, it's not going to be that part of it. I would think that the veterans would get a lot of reps early then kind of tailor it back, uh, let some of the young guys get up to speed. Uh, I think we can confidently say those first uh, four guys, uh, we're talking about uh, Kirk, Ingram, Ridley, Jones, those guys are going to be there. So we already kind of know what that A group is. Now what you're doing, trying to do is you're trying to find uh, how does Jamal Agnew fit into the mix in terms of are there special plays for him that you can utilize to change the, the rotation? Dennis, what does the rookie tight end look like if we put him on the same field with Evan Ingram? Are we able to maybe look at uh, some different packages with two tight ends on the field, two wide receivers, that stuff? And so there'll be some experimentation to see how wild Doug Peterson can get with the personnel groupings based on what people display during camp. Uh, but yeah, when Trevor Lawrence is there, it's, hey, let's get the A-team right, make sure the A-team is on point, everyone understands everything. And really a lot of it will be for Calvin Ridley, making sure that he is on the same page with the veterans, uh, make sure those guys are good, get them off the field, and get the young guys up to snuff when it comes to learning the playbook. All right, that's coming up next week. Three OTAs will be open to the media. That's number one on Monday, number four on Tuesday, May 30th, number seven on Monday, June 5th, and then, of course, the mandatory minicamp as well. Now back to rookie minicamp. It's in the books from Friday and Saturday. Anton Harrison, the Jaguars' first-round draft pick, the tackle on the difference in intensity even in a rookie minicamp setting. It's definitely different. I'd say it's more intense. You got us uh, a better, better, a higher level of skill with a, a defense and the offense, a higher just IQ with everybody out there. So it's definitely a higher intensity. Uh, but I say it's great just to be out here, finally back on the field, learning from the coaches and the older guys. So it's definitely good to be out here. Yeah. So he was mentioning dealing with the offensive line coach and Phil Rauscher and the coaching staff. Just a different feel, first time out there. So. You know, it will take, as you said, Bucky, a step up a little bit when the veterans are out there with him. That changes the whole dynamic when you're you're rolling out there with uh, the, the the 10, 12 guys that are on the roster right now on the offensive line. Yeah, for the young guys, a lot of it is learning how to practice, meaning learning how to go fast but play under control where you don't hit the ground so you can avoid the injuries. And so a lot of that is you're here – uh, the coach is always talking about, hey, stay up, stay up, stay up. Don't hit the ground. Got to stay up, stay up. Good, yeah. Good players don't find themselves all on the ground. They have body control. They avoid uh, those unnecessary collisions because the number one objective of this offseason is to make sure you get everybody out of it healthy. And then, as you're teaching them the pace and the urgency, you want them to do that while being under control, where they take care of one another. And so, for young guys, sometimes. It can be hard, particularly for um, some of the, the, the late-round draft picks and the undrafted guys that are really trying to make a favorable impression. You want those guys to play hard and give everything, but you certainly don't want them to crash into one of your more notable or more prominent players because we need to have everybody available. Nah, uh, point at those guys and tell the young guys to stay away from that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stay away. Don't roll on that. You know, I uh, – I, I enjoy talking to Bucky about this kind of stuff because he has, if you know it or not, JP, he was a scout. He he scouted in this league. Yes, he did. Uh, and, you know, 
uh, Bucky, you sure can tell, I think, uh, the school that Trent Baalke came out of. And he was on the Ozone podcast this week and talked about this a little bit. About, uh, you know, don't, and I'm drawing a blank on the phrase, but don't draft exceptions, you know, because then you got a team of exceptions. And that's, uh, if he believes in one thing in the draft, that's sort of his deal. And when you look at Harrison, when you look at uh, the tight end Strange, when you look at Bigsby, uh, they are prototypical guys for their position. Um, They were the three that stood out to me, JP, just when you look at them on the field. They look the NFL part, and uh, strange uh, to me, Bucky, really impressive guy physically. Yeah, so going back to what Trent Baalke, uh is talking about, we kind of come from the same school because we had our paths kind of intertwined when it came to mentors. See, he learned a lot from Bill Parcells. Bill Parcells worked very closely with Ron Wolf when they were all together with the Jets. Ron Wolf goes to the Green Bay Packers. I played for those guys, and I worked for some of his disciples and John Snyder and Scott McLuhan and those guys. And so when he talks about don't draft exceptions, because Ron Wolf used to always say, if you draft an exception or you make an exception to the prototype, you'll end up having a team full of exceptions because you can talk yourself into, yeah, I really like this player. So we'll just make this special exception for him. And so you just want to be careful when you're setting uh, your standards that, Hey, these are the prototypes. These are the guys that we look for. We want to have a bigger, faster, stronger team. Because there's a reason why middleweights don't fight heavyweights. We want to be heavyweight champs. We want to have the biggest, fastest team because over time, we're wearing down little teams. And so Balky comes from that school of thought. The other thing when it comes to the guys that you point to, Harrison and Strange and those things, like you want those guys to have the prototypical dimensions because a lot of what you do as a scout is you're trying to mitigate risk. And so you can never guarantee 100% that everybody that you bring into the organization is going to fit. But if you can look at a history or a study and say that, hey, guys at this size, with this weight, with this arm length, more times than not, they play in the league. Well, you're now giving yourself a, a better pool to pull from when it comes to guys that have realistic chances of making the squad. And the final part of it is uh, another thing that you will see typically with the Jaguars and with Balky you won't see a lot of small school guys. Now, this is something that's kind of reemerging as a trend in the National Football League. I think there were only, what is it, 12, is either FBS, is it football subdivision? JP knows that, FCS, whatever. The, the FCS lower level. is the, the football championship subdivision. That's the what was the 1AA before, yes. FCS. Oh, so FCS. Okay, FBS so FBS is Division 1A, FBS. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So small school guys. There were only 12 small school guys that were drafted in this year's draft. And so if you look at it, the guys that play in the National Football League, more times than not, they come from big school, group of five, power five, whatever you say. The biggest and best uh, schools are producing the best talent that plays in the league. And so normally you'll see teams not necessarily dismiss those guys, but it will have to be someone who is exceptional to be able to get on board. And I think you'll see a lot of big school guys continue to make this roster because those are some of the philosophies that Bill Parcells, Ron Wolf, and those guys believed in. And Trent Baalke is of their school of thought. Now, uh, Bucky, could that be a little, and I don't know this, I'm asking, uh, is the transfer portal, are, are small school guys transferring to big schools for a better opportunity? Is that weeding itself out before the draft now? Yeah, that's now becoming the thing. Unfortunately okay. for some of the small schools, they're being treated like AAA farm systems, like AAA sense. minor league yeah. teams where, hey, that's great. 
You played at a little school, so now you get to graduate, come play with the big boys. And so we have seen that kind of become increasingly popular when you look at the draft classes. But, yeah, everything now is about big schools. And uh, like it or not, I will say that Ron Wolf talked about big schools. I want to give the guys that have played in front of 100,000 people with the band playing on national TV because that's as close as you can get to the NFL at the collegiate level. And you may strike oil on a guy who hasn't played in that environment, but the odds say that, look, the, the best players are going to come from the best schools. So you better, it's probably more effective, cost efficient to spend your time mining those big schools as opposed to looking for the hidden gem that may be found elsewhere. Yeah, GMs like odds because oh, sure. over the course of 10 yeah. years, they like to increase their percentage of, of hitting. And over time, that uh, keeps them employed. Odd side note, by the way, I met Bill Parcells and Ron Wolf together in the booth at a Miami Marlins spring training game in Jupiter, Florida, about nine or ten years ago, what? right after I started working here. And they were sitting at the booth next to me. And uh, the first question they asked was, how's Mike Perkins? Oh, yeah. Go. Everybody knows Mike. They know Perk. Everybody Perk. They know Perk from Ray Perkins. <laughs> yes. That's how it works. It's the Huddle Up podcast. Hey, let's go to the, one of those big schools, Penn State, Brenton Strange, tight end. And, Bucky, you talked about the idea of two tight end sets and what this could do for the Jaguars' offense. They had a lot of three tight end sets in Happy Valley. Yeah, when you have athletic tight ends such as, like, me, Evan, Luke, uh, and the rest of the guys in the, in the room, you can, you can create a lot of stress on the defense. It creates mismatches all over across the field. And uh, that's not only in the pass game, but also being able to go out there and, and run an 11 play and use, this, use it as 12 personnel, but then the next play maybe do hurry up or something and go out there and just and run the ball. So that's, that's the luxury of having great tight ends in your room. And like I was saying to him earlier, I just I can't wait to get in here with the older guys on Monday and, and learn from them and just pick up all the little details and, and everything. So, Bucky, they run deep at the tight end position at Penn State. They had three guys that, that are going to play in the NFL, including Strange, at some point, and they utilized them all over the place. We talked about that right after the, the draft, but uh, his ability to do that gives him a chance. Uh, his versatility will be key, and in this offense, let's go back to that two tight end set. If, it sounds like he gets it, too, what this could mean. Well, one thing very impressed with is overall intelligence and, and football awareness and savvy in terms of being able to take something that could be complex when you talked about two and three tight ends and make it very easy for the listener to understand. To me, I think it, it speaks volumes as to why the Jaguars might have liked him because when you have smart players, it does allow you to do more stuff. And as he talks about the tight ends, being able to take Evan and, and Strange and, and put those guys on the field and operate where you have spread formations but you have big personnel how does the defense match up to that do you play your nickel package or do you now play more of a base package and can you create a mismatch by having a lumbering linebacker on the field with evan ingram who's really a jumbo wide receiver and the running game the mismatches that he talks about when you put multiple tight ends on the field and you put them attached to the the tackle you now create an extra gap for the defense to defend and depending upon maybe you put both tight ends beside each other on one side or opposite sides, it now forces the defense out of its comfort zone because it may be an unbalanced formation in terms of the symmetry isn't uh, ideally the same on both sides. And so you just want to make sure that when you have those uh, personnel maybe advantages, 
that you take advantage of them. And so it's about creating opportunities for Doug Peterson to be creative, to, to continue to put stress on the defense, not only with the play calls, but with the personnel groupings that you put on the field. Hey, Becky, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, curious your thoughts on this. Uh, you had mentioned, I think, on a couple of these podcasts before that uh, you know, because of the Jaguars' wide receivers and probably better than they had in Philly, you don't anticipate necessarily that they'll play as many two tight end sets as they did there. At the same time, how much of them not using two tight end sets a lot last year was because they feel like they didn't have the personnel to do it? it, it I guess what I'm getting at is if they've got these guys and if they like the packages with Ingram and uh, Strange, could you see a higher percentage of that scheme? I guess it's a great mm-hmm. problem to have, right? Too many options? Oh, yeah. I think you do a bunch of creative things. So, for instance, you can talk about a hey, sometimes you want to have ace personnel, which would be two tight ends, two wide receivers, one back, and that back could be Travis Etienne. Uh, you also could think about who could be the movable piece at wide receiver that could go in the backfield if you take Travis out. So let's just say, for instance, you're trying to create a mismatch for Calvin Ridley. So maybe you take Travis out, you have the two tight ends, two wide receivers, and then Calvin Ridley's in the backfield. And then you motion him out to dictate and create, oh, do you have Calvin Ridley on a linebacker? How do you play that? There are a lot of creative things that you can do when you have great personnel, but personnel that are really high football IQ guys. And so I think you'll see some of that stuff maybe when we're not privy to it. Doug Peterson and Press Taylor and those guys are getting the lab, and they'll do some funky formation and funky groupings to see what sticks. And you'll see them maybe periodically throw those things out throughout the course of the regular season to create mismatches. What a difference two years makes, JP. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, and it's not even close. I know we've said it on Huddle Up before, but the the personnel overturn and the fact that we're sitting here talking about too many weapons. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, and <laughs> the ability to go use them too. Well, you have to be yeah. able to, to to scheme it up right and, yeah. and have that ability. It didn't exist. Right. Now should it does. they go two tight ends or should they go three wides? Which is bad. I mean, it, it, it's a it's an incredible difference. I don't, I don't overplay it, but as Bucky was talking, mm-hmm. it just struck me of, of boy, you know, the moves and the approach. Uh, it's worked. We're talking about scoring thirty points a game now. Yeah. I mean, come on. Well, no, it, that, that, I mean, that's a very realistic thing. And I will say this uh, before we get into the year. Jamal Agnew could be the X factor when it comes to the personnel stuff. Uh, Doug Peterson appeared to take a liking to what he can add to the offense. We saw him play more snaps on offense last year. Well, now, just because Calvin Ridley comes doesn't mean that he's out of the equation. It just becomes how many different packages can you put him in and remove people and just create the dynamic. He becomes a really a nice weapon. So now you're right. You talk about, I won't say like a plethora of weapons, but you certainly have more weapons, more people that can do things with the ball. That makes the game a lot easier for the quarterback because he can just throw to the open guy and know that that open man can make it happen when he gets it in space. Yeah, there was a smidge of talk in the media midway through last season, late last season, because of Jamal's cap number, they might not be back. And I floated that to somebody late in the season. And they looked at him and I, like my head, you know, <laughs> three heads. <laughs> well, because the speed, you know, no way. I mean, A, the punt returning, the kick returning, but just the weapon that he had become. Uh, and again, I don't think that was ever really coming from the, within the team anyway, but it was sort of out there because this, people speculated on the cap. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
He's key, JP. He's got a skill set that not many have, certainly in that return game as well. There's no better time to become a Daily's Place Blue member than right now. Reserve your 2023 premium seat membership or individual luxury experience and enjoy guaranteed seats in the best locations, premium parking, VIP entrance and club access, and so much more. Email ticketing at boldevents.com or call 904-633-2000. In a moment, a look at the schedule and Doug Peterson sets the expectations for 2023. That's next on the Huddle Up Podcast. Welcome back to the Huddle Up Podcast. The Jags are excited to take the field this fall, and we want you here for all the action. For as low as $57 per game, you can join the ranks of the most dedicated fans and become a Jaguar season ticket member. Find your perfect seats at jaguars.com slash tickets or call 904-633-2000. And yes, single game tickets are on sale now since the release of the schedule. In fact, that day they went on sale. Uh, well, Bucky, it's our first chance to chat with you since the full schedule came out. What do you think? I mean, I thought, I mean, I, I like it, and I like the way it goes. Everyone normally likes their schedule just because that's the way we optimistically always feel about our team. <laughs> but for the Jaguars, uh, there's tremendous opportunity for this team to uh, do some of the things that Doug Peterson will start talking to the team about. The importance of not only winning the division – but putting yourself in a position that maybe you can talk about being the number one overall seed. Because if you're the number one seed, two games, and then you're in the Super Bowl. And so that could be a bit of the push. Uh, the back-to-back London games could be advantageous for the Jaguars, depending on how they handle the travel stuff. Uh, because the franchise is going over there logistically, uh, the Jaguars know how to get the team over there, get them prepared to play, play well. Well, now you have back-to-back weeks. You have two teams that are having to deal with maybe an uncomfortable environment, something that's new to them, where the Jaguars could be settled. Those two games, if the Jaguars are able to really win both of those games, those two games can be the difference between being maybe the top seed and being the third or fourth seed uh, in the tournament if you win a division. Good early start, could uh, build some momentum. Well, Doug Peterson, at the start of rookie minicamp, was asked about the expectations that are building around the 2023 Jaguars and how to manage them. The expectation is to win, you know, and and that was our expectation last year. And and even though parts of the year weren't as good as other parts of the year, you know, that still has to be, you know, priority. Got to win football games in this league. And and so, but but listen, it's... um, as you guys know, you've heard it from me a million times. I mean, it's, it's one game, it's one day, it's one player at a time. You know, it's about the team, and we keep the team in in front and, and focused, and, and uh, you know, it's the main thing, and you got to keep the main thing the main thing, and, and um, but yet expectations are, you know, to win games. To win. The expectation is to win, but there is that process to get there. And it, it takes day-by-day day building of uh, players and scheme. And, you know, you can't cheat it. you got to go through all that process to get there. Yeah, I don't know why. I, I, don't, I don't worry about this team uh, with a sophomore slump or whatever you call it. That's not the right word for it. But uh, I get a lot of questions from people about, you know, now that teams know that they're coming, they'll be prepared for them. And I don't – it didn't feel to me like their late season run was built on teams not 
thinking the Jaguars were good. I mean, did the Chargers not think the Jaguars were good? They had already beat them by 22 out there. Uh, so, so you know, I, I I understand that being a theme and people talking about. I don't think that'll be a factor for this team. So, and I, I, I don't think this team to me doesn't feel like a team that thinks, oh, well, we accomplished this last year. Now we're set. I, th- I think the young players in this team and the core see last year as a start. And I've, I've got to believe that internally in their gut, the goal this year is is to join the four, or you know, meaning make it uh, Cincinnati, Buffalo, Kansas City, Jacksonville. And, and, and there's more than that, obviously, but you know what I'm getting at. Be one of those teams that's going to be there. Uh, and so to me, those are the three games this year. You know, In the regular season, when you're looking at, those are the ones people are going to circle, that in San Francisco. How do you do against the Powers? Yeah, no, all the all this stuff matters. And, you know, Doug Peterson will probably use the Lombardi quote who took from Dr. Jonas Salk. He says, the, the greatest work, reward for doing is the opportunity to do more. And so once you start winning, the opportunity to do more is what the expectation is. And so for Doug Peterson, look, man, being the playoffs should be kind of like the prerequisite. That should be the, the starting point. It's about winning the divisions each and every year. It's about putting yourself in a position to earn a high seed so you're always in the conversation to win the title. You may not win the title every year, but you want to be in that conversation. And so to do that, though, he has to constantly remind the team what it took to learn how to win games. He talks about one play at a time, one day at a time, all of those things. Focus more on the process than the result. We know that the process, when done correctly and properly executed, leads to the result that everybody wants. And so as much as the outside expectation is to win, he'll focus on, A, make sure we understand our process and what we need to do to make sure that we take care of our business so that we can win. If we do that, those things take care of themselves in the end. We saw how how thin these victories and losses were last yeah. year. It comes down, we've, we've known this forever, it comes down to like five plays in a game that can change the, the outcome and – they went the right way down the stretch for the Jags, too. Well, that's what you assume will be reiterated. I know Doug, from what he has said, doesn't spend a whole lot of time with with a negative or, you know, hey, uh, don't forget this. But the reality was they won five games late in the season last year where they came from double digits down. Uh, and any one of those goes differently – and the season's dramatically different. And, the and they needed miracles in the last two games. So there is a reality of, I believe, and I think most Jaguars observers believe, that they are going to sort of surge their way into that power foursome, as, I, mm-hmm. as I'm thinking of. And that could be wrong, but everybody knows. When KC, Cincy, Buffalo have been sort of the teams. Mm-hmm. You want to get in that group and then start beating them. But they've got to be better than they were last year to be a part of that group. Uh, they didn't beat Kansas City either time last year. They didn't really beat a power team except for Dallas. So there's a step. I think that step is going to be consistency at quarterback and not not sort of floundering a little bit like they did for the first uh, 10 or 11 games. But there's every reason to think that they will be the second-half team, meaning the second half of last season, mm-hmm. and that they'll push toward that. But that step still has to be taken. They're not there yet. No, they're not there yet. And I will say this learning from my beloved Carolina Tar Heels and the basketball team. They went to the title game yeah. the year before and thought that they would be able to roll out the balls. 
and be the number one team in the country, and they skipped steps and they didn't play particularly well. I think the difference is Doug Peterson is keenly aware of, hey, just because we got to the postseason, that doesn't mean we overlooked the warts that popped up on the team last year. You guys talked about the number of double-digit deficits that we had to overcome to win those games. Well, now you want to talk about we got to start fast and faster. we got to make sure we jump on people right away. We don't want to have to wait to the last five minutes of a game to have a miraculous comeback. And so there's a maturity that now has to come with the team in terms of you talked about consistency. The team has to consistently play at a high level so it can avoid some of those things. Bucky, is that, you know, I think you hit on something that's going to be interesting. You always uh, look for things early in the season that sort of tell you where a team is. To me, what you just said is is the biggest thing I'm looking for in September and early October. Is this now a team that, uh, it, I know this isn't exactly right, but it seems like every time I watch Kansas City, they're up 7 nothing. Uh is that mm-hmm. sort of what you're looking for to say, okay, this is a team? Because it's going to be an offensive team. There's no question about that. So if you're going to be that sort of a team out of 17, 18 games, you want to see a stat at the end of the first quarter. Jaguars have led seven of eight times. You, know, you want to see them be that team? Is that sort of what you're looking for? Yes, I think I've heard Doug talk about this. Start fast, finish faster. You know, Jump on them early and then finish the game and close it out with a flurry. Part of the reason, if you're going to be an offensive team, like we're speculating, uh, your offense has to bring it early. And what you want the offense to do is to be your best defense, meaning when you're able to hang a quick 14 on the opponent, it now takes them out of the opportunity to be a balanced team where they can attack you with the run and the pass. That helps the defense because now you're in pass rushing mode. Uh, Keep the ball in front and do those things. So, yes, you may hear more – screaming and barking at the offense because the execution needs to be high because the expectation will be that this team needs to score every time they get the ball. Uh, Whether that's realistic or not, we'll see. But that will be the expectation. We need to go. We need to execute at a high level. And if we execute at a high level offensively, we'll run teams out of the stadium and then make life easy for the defense. Let's go. Let's go, JP. If they score every time, I, I bet they're scoring more than 30 a game. Yeah, you almost. Right. <laughs> I know I'm yeah. not good at math. I'm just saying that's a yes, pretty good. Yes, we want to do it. <laughs> but it, it, as 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 strange as that sounds, sitting here in the off season, I mean, Bucky's right. I think 31 a game is 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 a sort of what you're looking for, and and the way it's built, uh, if if they're going to take a step, it needs to come from there. That's going to be right. mm-hmm. if we're sitting here week eight. Boy, this is a much better team than last year. I think realistically that's where you're going to be talking about. The best chance of them being better and being that team we're talking about, being among that power group, is is to have that stat. Because those teams are going to keep doing it too. And you've got to keep up with the Joneses. And those are the Joneses. By the way, it all comes down to OTA number one on Monday. And John's tracking of Trevor's statistics Bucky so I'm sure you're going to look for that on Twitter on Monday it's it's one of the three OTAs mm-hmm. that are open to the media boy all of this success you know comes down to Monday in my opinion Bucky what do you think well I mean look is the way you get a start you got to start out fast and so I would expect John to be out there pen and pad uh, making great notes on the number of completions that Trevor has I should be able to see a report a hey, Trevor finished 18 for 22 going through 707 and team drills. Everything looked great. He should be able to kind of quickly tally in his head. Kevin really had 
six of those catches for well over 100 yards based on my calculations and those things. And then we can get excited about it. So there's a lot of pressure, not only on the Jags, but on J.O. for making sure that he's there taking copious notes. Yeah, to be honest, uh, the Lombardi quote you threw out about the greatest reward being the greatest, something is to the do greatest more. reward for doing is the opportunity to do more. Yeah, he it, took it from the greatest Jonas reward Sock. for doing oh. is a cold beer and a nap. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers to that. I'm in. Bucky, we'll talk to you next week. Uh, should be fun. Looking forward. Looking forward to talking about all things OTAs. Looking forward to it. We'll do that. All of the things about OTAs next week. That's Bucky Brooks. John Ozier for Joe Fortunato. I'm J.P. Shadrick. Of course, listen to all our podcasts. Imagine this on the podcast page on Jaguars.com or the official Jaguars podcast network. That's on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you download your pods. Leave a comment and a five-star rating. This is the Huddle Up Podcast.